You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 215 of the Podcateers podcast. In this episode, we talk about our favorite Disney-themed board games, which was a conversation that sparked after we found out that a new game called Villainous, based on the Disney villains, will be released very soon. We also talk about Disney movies that were planned and were never made. Gavin is still obsessing over one particular film that was canceled. Uh, can you guys guess what it is? Let us know in the comment section down below in the blog post, Instagram, or on the Facebook post and tell us if you were able to guess it or if there are any films that Disney never made that you are upset about. Huge shout out and big thank you goes out to the FGP squad for their support in making this episode possible. Who is the FGP squad? The FGP squad are our podcast fairy godparents who help us out with a contribution monthly via Patreon. If you would like more information about becoming a fairy godparent, you can head on over to podcateers.com FGP for more info and a link to sign up. You can give as little or as much as you want monthly, but for a contribution of at least $5 monthly, you will also get the exclusive fairy godparent button as a thank you for your support. If you want to help us out in a slightly different way you can head on over to podcateers.com amazon before you place your next order on amazon on our page you'll find a huge amazon button that when you click it will take you to amazon using our special link and anything that you buy during that purchase may earn us a small commission as a thank you from amazon because we mentioned them on the podcast and you went to our page and clicked on the huge amazon button and it's a big button I mean, when you look at it on a regular computer screen, it looks big, but then it resizes on a like a small device, like a phone, and it just looks small. But trust me, it's big. If you saw it on a computer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Check it out. Next time you're in front of a computer, pocketeers.com slash Amazon, you'll see how big it is on the page. For all of you that are already using the link, thank you very much for the added support. And for all of you that haven't yet used the link, remember, before you place your next purchase, pocketeers.com slash Amazon. The Chalk Walk is just weeks away, and we are trying to raise money for the Children's Hospital of Orange County, but we need your help, guys. We have a highly ambitious goal. We've talked about this before. $5,000 is what we are trying to raise. Links to all of our fundraising pages will be available in the blog post for the episode over at podcateers.com slash 215. If you could spare even $1, that makes a tremendous difference. Imagine what would happen if we started a chain of giving and you gave a dollar and then you got a friend to give a dollar and they got a friend to give a dollar and it just kept going and we had 5,000 people just give one dollar one dollar doesn't seem like a lot but if you have 5,000 people give one dollar it became five thousand dollars and that makes a huge difference to the children that are being treated at chalk to everyone that has already taken a moment to visit the team boat willie link on the chalk page and make a donation thank you to all of our fellow team members that have signed up to help us raise the money thank you guys team boat willie team boat willie 
guys haven't checked out the the vlog that we put up from last year's go to the blog post for this episode i put the video in there it was such a great time i know we're gonna have a great time this year again plus we usually get together and just hang out after the chalk walk too so if you guys are interested in hanging out it's not too late to join head over to teamboatwilly.com for more information on how you can either make a donation or join the team to help us raise money for all you disney fans super simple it's like steamboat willy but without the s at the beginning i know clever right i know i gotta thank my brother for that one <laughs> so teamboatwilly.com i hope that we get a chance to see you at the chalk walk if you want to connect with us on social media you can find all of our links over at pocketeers.com team and make sure to check out our videos on youtube we are at youtube.com slash and youtube.com slash disney for two once you hit there hit that subscribe button and ring that little bell icon and make sure that you select all notifications that way youtube will actually tell you when we post a video otherwise they won't because i i i actually don't know why they're doing that because if you subscribe to a channel it's only logical that they would tell you but now there's an extra step so i i mean i don't know it's youtube but anyway it's time to jump into this episode so here we go here is episode 215 of podcateers Clicky, clicky, make it go record. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys? Good, good. Fantastic. Yeah. Are you guys sweating as much as I am? Because it's been hot. Yeah, we've been on the hunt for one of those portable AC units that just kind of vents to a window. Ah, the swamp and coolers. Yeah, they're basically sold out citywide <laughs> right now, mm-hmm. so... No, um, get out. In this heat wave, yeah, they're sold right? out? You'd think they'd be shipping in extras. Like, come on, aren't you, guys, aren't you stores prepared for this? But they're not, apparently. And so we're doing um, some very thorough Amazon searching. Uh, we're going to use that nifty podcasters.com Amazon button. Oh, that's and, always uh, fun to use. O- order in something that we can kind of tack a few notches off this heat with. So, out of curiosity, Gavin, where would you find that snazzy Amazon button? Well, it's very easy to find. It's huge, for one thing, at podcasters.com slash Amazon. That's right. And like Gavin said, you can't miss it. Mm-hmm. It's a huge button. It was mm-hmm. purposely made like that because, quite frankly, we didn't want you to miss it. <laughs> but in case you guys don't know... When you click that button, you get taken to Amazon's homepage using our special link. And anything that you purchase during that purchase, we get a small commission from Amazon as a thank you because you did a a couple extra clickety-clickety things Mm -hmm. and you went Mm -hmm. to that page and you went to Amazon using our link. And to everyone that's doing that, we just want to thank you guys because believe it or not, that actually helps us a lot at the end of the month. So thank you guys. We appreciate it. Yeah, dude, this heat wave, not so fun. I'm pretty sure I've said it before on the podcast, but our 
our house is old and doesn't have insulation and so it gets extremely hot we normally are about 10 degrees hotter than it is outside that's insanity yeah and so whenever we're doing stuff like recording and i'm i'm planning on doing anything like this in here i have to close everything because then i hear Mm -hmm. the dogs barking from the neighbor's house and you know kids outside and it's just uh, it's just a lot of noise that I can't filter out after. So I'm sweating, but I'm hurting for for the craft, and I'm hurting for the podcast. Yes, you're but giving it's all it worth 110. percent You're sacrificing your Wrong. body for the team. 125 <laughs> percent. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, I I wish we had an AC. We've tried using those swamp cooler things, the ones that you're trying to find. Uh, my brother had let me borrow his uh, mm-hmm. for a while, and it didn't work. It oh, yeah. was really good. At, well, at our house, it didn't work just because of how our house is built and stuff. But yeah. it would get one section super cold. Yeah. And then as soon as we turned it off, two minutes later, it was super hot again. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. did do a really great job of making our electric bill go really really high for a couple of months (laughs) but that's about all it did Mm -hmm. yeah they're really only good for cooling one room uh, and and that's all we need is just one our bedroom really is what it is and uh, if we can get that cooled off then we're golden yeah the moral of the story here kids is sit in a bucket of ice (laughs) (laughs) that'll make you feel better I'm not sure if, if that's feasible for everybody, but sit in a bucket of ice and make you feel good. Uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you guys about a few things because, one, Melissa, I saw your story about what happened to you when you had gone for Disneyland's birthday and you had mm-hmm. some problems. Uh, why don't you tell us a story about what happened and how it kind of all got fixed? Because I think as Disney goers, things like this happen to us and we don't always think that there's a resolution for it but i think your story will show us that you have to at least try and sometimes there are happy endings especially at the happiest place on earth okay so for disneyland's birthday i was there uh representing pocketeers you know i made a few friends over there um one of the friends was like hey you know they're taking pictures go take a picture you know they have the sign that says i was there i'm like okay you know what i'm i'm gonna go i'm gonna go do this run over take my picture and everything's cool and whatnot i um come home and i don't see my picture on the disneyland app so i'm kind of like okay maybe it's a busy day they haven't uploaded it or whatnot and it's happened before you know especially if it's a busy day they won't upload immediately Mm -hmm. um so i waited 24 hours nothing came up i waited maybe five days thinking Whoa. yeah I, i'm thinking okay maybe maybe today and i was starting to feel bummed out thinking i'm not going to get this i'm not going to get the pictures and the lady who i met marcella she's the one that actually was telling me to contact disney so i'm like yeah i can but i had the doubts of not sure this is gonna go in my favor maybe they're lost i'm already like feeling down. I'm sadness from inside out here. (laughs) So I went to the Disneyland app and I saw at the very end that they have an email link. 
and mm-hmm. this is to help for feedback. So I'm assuming, you know, what do I have to lose? I'm gonna try it. And I emailed them. I want to say it was on a Friday. You know, I got a reply on Monday and within two or three exchanges, my pictures were in my, uh, on my feed, on my app. And I was blown away because I thought they were purged. They, they were gone. So it, it was that little nudge that was just like, go, go try this. You know, it just, I was so excited and so happy to post because I was like, I was there. I needed my proof, but nothing came <laughs> up. So thanks to Disney Sweet Spot, Marcella, thank you. Big shout out. She's the one that pushed me to try it out and it worked. So if anybody has lost photos and you can't get to the resort the next day, because I know you could talk to them at the resort, mm-hmm. definitely try out the Disneyland app, go to the um, email link and just talk to them and let them know what's happening. If you could remember the time that you took your pictures, where you took it, they could link everything up. So what did you find out from them as far as what had happened? Was it a, just a, like you said, it was a busyness issue and they just were late uploading it? Or did they just get missed or lost? They were just lost like in translation. I mean, something mm-hmm. happened between them scanning my pass, but mm-hmm. the fact that they were able to get it back after... So did they find them by just looking through a database and like... Um, looking for how you described them or did they actually were they actually able to link the code back well they asked for my information they Mm -hmm. asked for my information they asked for my barcode from my app Um, I decided to give them exactly where I was what day what time Mm -hmm. you know I'm trying to be as specific here and they were able to pull it up that's cool yeah, that's a it's great It's good story. to know that they maintain some of those things in a, a database so that instances like that, which, you know, are going to happen from time to time when there's technology, yeah, uh, that they don't just delete those things after, you know, 24 or 48 hours. They're still retrievable. That's awesome. Well, I mean, they are stored somewhere because when they're linked in the app, you have about a year before they disappear from your personal app. So if anything, they keep them on file for about a year. Yeah. And... Uh, I guess, like you said, Melissa, it's somewhere between linking your photos and going to your app is probably where the issue happened. We've run into that before, too. But we this was before the Disneyland app. This was when we were just still scanning our passes. I think Mm -hmm. the app was fairly new. And this was about the time that Nick and Judy were first making their way through Hollywoodland. So you could take their picture at California Adventure. And we lost a bunch of pictures twice. You know, pictures that we had taken with the kids and and with Hops and Nick. And we were kind of sad. They were some of our favorite pictures that we've had. And we just never thought about going back and saying anything about it. But, you know, if we ever run into this issue, I'm glad they were very responsive about it. Yeah. And especially in a timely manner, like how fast I got them back. I was assuming because the email says um, your first initial reply saying that, They'll get back to you within five to seven business days. So I was just mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, I'm going to wait. No, I was surprised. Yeah. And the PhotoPass pictures are pretty quick, too. Usually it says within 24 hours that they'll appear in the app. But it's been our experience that generally it takes about 20 minutes tops. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they're super fast about adding that stuff. So I commend them for really pushing through as many photos as they do to so many guests throughout right. the park. 
So it's a pretty streamlined process. I like it. Uh, speaking of photos, Gavin, you mm-hmm. have a heroic story of going to California Adventure this last week. <laughs> oh, uh, actually, before we get into that story, can we send a quick shout out to Denny Art on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. So the story behind this is that I was reading Melissa's story when she posted it on IG, and I was like, oh, my God, this is a good story ever. <laughs> oh, my God. And I started reading through the comments, you know, as you do. And I see this comment from uh, – because Melissa had mentioned, oh, I just wish I wasn't covering the Podcateers logo on my shirt because, you know, I was representing the team. And uh, Denny Art had asked the question saying – Oh, wait, I listen to Podcateers. Are you on the podcast? And it's one of those things where like, you follow people online, but you don't necessarily know who they are. You don't mm-hmm. hear their voices. You might recognize their face because they post sometimes on, in, uh, like on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, whatever the case is. But I guess maybe she had never heard your voice before. And so Melissa's like, yeah, I'm Mel on the podcast. I was like, oh, my God, this connection is so beautiful. I love it. <laughs> it was just one of those heartwarming moments where it's like, oh, my God, it's got me full circle, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, so quick shout out to Denny Art on Instagram. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And uh, I, I'm sure Melissa appreciated it, but oh, I appreciate that comment so much. I enjoyed it. That's uh, amazing. So yeah, Gavin. So back to your heroic story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how heroic it was, uh, but I I actually have a little photo pass story myself. And uh, this past week, you know, as uh, the Instagram universe discovered, there's a new selfie wall at Disney's California Adventure. And it's up-themed, and I think they were probably listening to our previous podcast where Hazen came up with that very idea for Selfie Wall. Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's really cool because they used a really tall section of the wall, so it's a huge bunch of balloons. It goes all the way up the wall, and then the strings come down, and there's a perfect little spot for you to grab onto them. The only criticism I have is that it's too tall for kids under, like, seven to even reach so like kids can't really grab onto it and take the the real photo unless they're like being lifted up by a parent or something isn't it more meant for like a perspective shot though like if they were farther away lifting their arm because if you're far enough away you can get the entire the entire painting right sure yeah i think that that may work um we should try that we should try it with your kids See if we can pull that off. That's a good idea. Because I think think that would work. But anyway, um, I went down there to try and get some some shots of it uh, for our feed. And I actually partook in the PhotoPass service for the first time since um, having the Disneyland app and and an annual pass. (laughs) So I got to experience that and link them up. And I had a a better result than Melissa had uh, as mine uploaded within about 20, 30 minutes. Um, and I was also really pleased with the quality of the photos. They were, oh, yeah. They were good. You know, many years ago, um, when I just had a like a multi-day ticket, I had, I had an experience with a character on Buena Vista Street, and a photo pass photographer snapped a bunch of pictures and linked my pass to it, and and I was really excited about it. And then I got home and I looked them all up, and they were all basically shot directly into the sun. And we were all lens flared out and you couldn't see anything. And 
So that kind of colored my opinion of the PhotoPass service because that was the first time I had ever tried it. And apparently they've they've really made more of an effort to actually teach their photographers a little something about the craft. Uh, they're probably even recruiting people who know a little something about cameras and photography because yeah. I even just watching them take photos around the park, you can tell that they're in general, there's they're a lot more savvy than they used to be. And the photographer that took my picture, she snapped four really quick pictures and they were all perfect. Like she gave me two horizontals, two portraits, and it was awesome. And they uploaded and I look adorable holding all those balloons. And it was just great. (laughs) You look like a happy child going to Disneyland for the first time and holding balloons. Yep. I didn't get a picture in front of the buzz wall. Um, cause I, I kind of feel like that's already, it's already passe. No, oh, no, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll go back and do that one. Even if you don't post it, like you gotta have one. I yeah. still want them to do a star Wars one where they have stormtroopers falling back and you can stand and like act like you're pushing them with the force. That's what I want. Well, I mean, if they're listening, we'll see that one coming up mm-hmm. soon. I was Maybe just we'll see it on say. a wall at Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> <laughs> that one might take a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, but you are absolutely right about the cast members that are uh, doing the photo pass because mm-hmm. uh, I, I've had similar experiences like you where the photos that we've taken just were not very good. And so I got into the habit of always taking my camera gear so that I could take photos of my kids because I was never happy with the ones that PhotoPass was taking. And... In, in the I would say the last four to five years, especially, Disney has really made an effort to get cast members uh, doing PhotoPass that are more passionate about photography, that have their own Instagram accounts and are really good at taking photographs already. Mm-hmm. So being PhotoPass is kind of just uh, a, a good step because you get a chance to practice a lot of your craft and posing and all that stuff live without having to get a bunch of people on the side to do it. So honestly, it's one of the jobs if I've always wanted to be a cast member. And if I ever was to be a cast member, I would love to be photo pass or work at the Haunted Mansion. I know Haunted <laughs> Mansion is greatly requested and it's one of the least available ones that mm-hmm. and possibly work in the Jungle Cruise. But uh, photo pass is possibly what I would want to do. And if I absolutely had my pick, I would want to do all the photographs for the park, whether they're product photography or mm-hmm. whether they're ride shots directly for the Disney Parks blog. Nice. That's what I would love to do. I think it would be cool to do the... I don't know if it's the regular PhotoPass people or if it's like their like top photographer, but you know the the packages you can buy to do like an hour in Toontown or an hour in Cars Land, and yeah. it's like before close uh, before opening or after closing, and you can have like a private party and a your own photo session. Mm-hmm. Like I think that would be cool to be a photographer for that. Yeah, I want to say that they get the more experienced PhotoPass people to do those. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, it's probably yeah. like the the most experienced tour guides get to do the VIP tours. Yeah, yeah, pretty similar to that. That's cool. But yeah, man, I'm glad that you had a very good experience with PhotoPass. It was a good PhotoPass week mm-hmm. for yeah. both of you. <laughs> I don't have a PhotoPass story for this week. I have not gone to the park. Uh, it's uh, I haven't been feeling all that great. You guys know about it. Haven't gotten into much detail. Not going to either because I feel good right now. 
Right. <laughs> but I'm hoping to finally go this weekend. Sweet. It's been a long time coming, and uh, Lynette keeps asking, when are we going to go to the park? I was like, maybe when I'm feeling better. <laughs> and uh, we just haven't had a chance to go. We've had a lot of stuff on our plate here, too. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, speaking of pictures and Instagram, uh, I want to send another shout-out to someone else on Instagram. Uh, the account on Instagram is JeffGNFL, and I believe the 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 person's name is Jeffy, but uh, there was this photograph that I saw that kind of went viral for a little bit, but it was a photograph at Toy Story Land in Florida, and Ooh. it was two green army men standing with uh, a lady in a wheelchair holding an umbrella that. over her head while it was pouring Aww. in Toy Story Land. And, I mean, I saw that photograph and my heart melted because, (laughs) I mean, that is above and beyond when it comes to cast members. And it's little things like that that I just think going to Disneyland, you know, it makes the experience just that much more magical. I know somebody on Facebook brought up the, well, where's the rest of the family? And look, if (laughs) that was my grandmother or my mother uh, in that situation... I know them. They would have been like, just leave me here and go have fun, (laughs) regardless of the situation, because that's just how they are. You know, you traveled all those miles and you want to have fun, right? Right. But I also know that in Florida, the weather is super unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And so who knows that if when they left her, it wasn't raining at all. Right. And then they were on Slinky Dog or about to get on or something and boom, pouring. Yeah. Right. So... I can't speak about anybody else because I don't know the context of the story. But what I do know is that those two Green Army men, those cast members, I salute both of you because you guys did an amazing job. And uh, Jeff, JNFL, thank you very much for allowing us to repost your photograph because it just warmed my heart. And I think it warmed a lot of people's heart to see a photograph of just people being selfless. It's not yeah. something that we see very often these days, and it was just a really nice thing to see. A big thank you for just sharing that moment, because you don't really see that so much unless you stop and just happen to be there at the same, you know, at the right place at the right time. So, right. yes, definitely thank you so much for that. Uh, so, speaking of Toy Story Land, uh, remember a few weeks ago we ended up talking about what the experience was like, and we put a shout out out to our listeners so that they can send us a review of what they saw, what they experienced, and how they liked it. Mm-hmm. We got an answer to that call, Sweet. and listener and friend of the show, Justin. Some of you may know him. Uh, he and his wife run the company Walt's Wardrobe on Instagram. We'll put a link to that in the blog post for this episode over at podcasters.com slash 215. They had a chance to experience Toy Story Land, and they sent us a short audio clip to tell us about their experience. So we're going to play that for you guys right now. Hey, Podcasters, This is Justin from Walt's Wardrobe. And we just came back from Toy Story Land in Hollywood Studios. And I just thought I'd give my feedback on what we thought of the land. As far as rides in the land, there's three Alien Spinning Saucers, Midway Mania, and the Slinky Dog Coaster. Alien Spinning Saucers is very similar to Mater's Junkyard Jamboree. The cool aspect of it, they take Toy Story songs and do it in a little remixed version. And they play that while you ride. 
as far as Midway Mania, it's pretty much the same with a new updated queue. As far as Slinky Dog, which is our favorite, it's pretty thrilling, uh, as not expected. Um, it's got some big dips. Uh, it's similar to Mind Train, where as far as thrill factor, and it's all outdoors, so you can see the heights, um, and it gives you a good view to uh, Star Wars land. As far as the food, we weren't able to try the foods, but they had a lot of different options. We heard the brisket sandwich was pretty good, and they do have um, a s'mores sandwich as well, and homemade Pop-Tarts. As far as the overall theming, it was amazing. Really beautiful. It looks like you're in Andy's playset. Um, think of the old Midway Mania and Buzz Lightyear but in a grander scale. Overall, there was not much shade though, um, so it, is, it gets pretty hot, so definitely look to either do everything really quickly or go at night when it's a lot cooler, um, plus all the, the lights are out. Um, and then the meet and greets with Buzz and Woody and Jesse are all outside, um, but I feel once Star Wars Land opens up, it will um, give a little bit more space to the land. Other than that, Megan and I loved it. Uh, we can't wait to go back and probably ride Slinky multiple times next time. All right. Thanks guys. Bye. So quick thank you again, Justin, for that small review of Toy Story Land. If you guys have a chance to visit any of the Disney parks and get to experience anything special there, go to an event, see a film, whatever it is Disney related, send us a quick audio file. Just record it using the voice memo app on your phone and email it to comments at podcateers.com for a chance to hear your clip in an upcoming episode. Uh, so let's kind of pivot off to another topic here, guys, because I saw this ad and I know during our production meeting, you guys brought this up. And I got to tell you guys, since we talked about it, I, I, I'm having conflicting thoughts because <laughs> board games <laughs> are not something that I'm completely on board with. My wife, though board game queen nice she is all about board games she loves them she loves playing with the boys uh i will admit she does get a little upset at me because i don't like to sit down and play board games with them as often as she would like me to but there's i mean there's not many board games that i can get on board with you know <laughs> and during our production meeting you guys brought up this new game that's scheduled to be released early august called villainous yes mm -hmm. and so i was looking into the game there was a lot of similarities to a lot of games that i've played you know a couple that i have here first of all you guys saw the trailer for it you guys are big board game players right mm -hmm. yeah what did you guys think of villainous when you first saw it i was totally excited for it because um, for me, I haven't seen a Disney board game, you know, in a while, a new one per se. Mm -hmm. So this was really exciting, especially it's all villains. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> I, agree. You, I agree. I it, agree. It got me really excited. I think that it's cool to have a game of this type that's themed on Disney. You know, there's there's a whole world of board games, tabletop games of this ilk, you know, where it's cards and strategies. There's a bit of role play to it. There's a bit of 
um, you know, scheming to it. Uh, and, you know, I don't know exactly what the game mechanics are here, but it looks like something that you could play many, many times and have lots of variety to it because it looks like basically the whole canon of uh, Disney villains are available. I also really like the look and design of what they show in that trailer. You know, the, the little cards and uh, pieces that you play with have been really well designed. And that's one of the most popular things about gaming these days is the actual game design. That, that whole industry is just a booming industry right now. And, you know, artists and illustrators of, you know, the highest grade are working on designing uh, a lot of these new games that are coming out. Gaming is like tabletop gaming is hugely popular. Like I know lots of people who go to tabletop game nights at, you know, their local game store and they do that every week and play new strategy games and try new things out. And, you know, it's it's if you like board games, there are places where you can find and explore new board games all the time. And the fact that Disney's kind of getting in on this is exciting to me. And I like it something like that more than like a new app game. Cause I feel like, you know, everybody's done a million apps. There's a million Disney game apps, you know, and I'm kind of tired of that. So this gets me really excited to have something that's a little more physical, a little more social. Cause you can actually get with a group of friends and play it and you get to be Disney villains, which is like Melissa said, so cool. <laughs> yeah. It is unlike anything else that I've seen before. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, it, there is some strategy to it. I did some research on the game because, like I said, board games are very hit or miss for me. Like, I either am completely 120% on board or I will look at it and think, yeah, I don't want to play this ever again. And, like, for instance, Monopoly is one of those games where even if it's Disney-themed, I just, ah, it's Monopoly. I just don't like to sit there for 24 hours and play a round of Monopoly. I'll slay um, you in one hour. Can you? There you go. 100%. Well, <laughs> Short game good play. for you. If you can get me to play, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> However, Clue, I love playing Clue. Ooh. Yes. But I think it's because I love, like, the mystery stories, and yeah. I love that that genre, which is mm -hmm. why I enjoy Clue so much. We'll get into the games that we really enjoy, but back to Villainous. Um, I did a little bit of research on it, and it is unlike anything I've ever seen before because it's not a game of chance. Right. It is a total game of strategy. And the entire point is that when you choose one of these villains, you have objectives that you have to reach for each one of them. As you play, there are like these tokens and value cards that you can essentially challenge and block your villain from achieving their goal by putting a hero on their board. You know, you can like kind of curse them or something and you put <laughs> a hero on their board. And in order to defeat that hero, you need to get enough cards with uh, one of your henchmen or something and some kind of weapon that will equal the point value 
of that hero to essentially take them off your board so that you can continue on your mission. Mm-hmm. And so it can bounce back and forth. Like you could be at a point where you're almost about to win and it shifts you back and all of a sudden you're starting over. Those are the best kinds you of know? games. <laughs> and so this game, I saw it and I thought, okay, I think it'll take a little bit of practice, but I think I could get into something like this because it does require you to be a little cunning and a mm-hmm. little strategic and those are the ones that I think I can get into a little bit more. So if we ever have an opportunity to play this, I might be on board to play. Sweet. Now, I mentioned it just a moment ago. Do you guys have any favorite Disney games that you've played? I know you said you'd rather play board games like you, Gavin, versus mm-hmm. an electronic one. But do you guys have like a Disney version of a game that you just like to play a lot? You know, the only Disney-themed um physical game that we ever had is kind of only half board game half not board game and that was the disney seen it game oh that was awesome (laughs) i loved that whole franchise of games i thought there was it was really fun it you know it was a clever way to incorporate your dvd player and uh Mm -hmm. you know a tabletop game so we had the disney version of that and we you know you play it so much that you know you see the first second of a clue and you know what it is you know (laughs) we played it a little too much but uh that was fun that was the only one that we ever actually owned and that i played a lot so i'm not familiar with a lot of other disney themed uh board games Hmm. and i think what you just said is one of the reasons why i think as i grew older some of the games that i used to play just got kind of old for me is because they don't have that replayability factor Mm -hmm. to them right Mm -hmm. if you know all the cards and you know all of the answers it gets super simple for you to play and if other people know that then where is the challenge right right so that's why i think the strategic ones i think is where i i like to fall on uh melissa what about you my favorite one was actually monopoly but it was nightmare before christmas version nice and that one (laughs) i loved it even though it's monopoly but um, it was really fun because the tokens, they're all themed. So you had different, you had like the mayor's um, car, you had Scary awesome. Teddy. It was awesome. Totally, yeah. totally awesome. Yeah, Monopoly is one of those games where everything in the world has had some kind of theming with it, right? Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite one, I don't, we never owned it, but my favorite version of Monopoly was the Haunted Mansion one. Oh, wait! Did what? you ever see that? <laughs> yeah, the Haunted Mansion Monopoly. I, it was one of the ones I would have possibly purchased just to own, but I would have never yeah. played it. Mm-hmm. Just to say that I had it and put it on a shelf somewhere. It's like, yep, I own that yeah. thing. <laughs> but it's like, why is it in the plastic? Oh, no, it's uh, to protect it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Don't be like me and, and you know, lose parts and then you can't yeah. play the game. Oh, that's horrible, too, especially when it's like a special edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, ah, yeah, that that hurts. But yeah, Haunted Mansion Monopoly. Uh, my favorite one was, did you guys ever play Cranium? Oh, yeah. Yes. So totally. Cranium is actually one of my favorite board games like of all time. Like, yeah, I can play good. Cranium all the time, especially when there is a good span of time, like a good three, four, or five years between playing, because mm-hmm. you kind of forget the answers. And a lot of them are just little trivia nuggets that, you know, if you know them, you know them. And mm-hmm. if you don't, you don't. But 
my favorite Disney board game is the Cranium Disney Edition. Ooh. It's Nice. Everything that Cranium is, except it's Disneyfied, and That's so, so cool. you know, you you get to sing songs from the movie, you get to act out things from the movies. When you get to the drawing, you gotta draw Disney characters. You know, they show you pictures. It's Disney trivia, and it's one of those that challenges like every side of your brain. You know, I to try remem- to figure. I was gonna this say, out. I don't remember the singing part, and I'm like. Nope, I'm out. <laughs> it was Star Performer. That was the yeah. card set. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you had to like whistle only, or sometimes hum you, it. Yeah, hum it. Yeah, humdinger. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> the only thing that stinks about Cranium is that you know you play it once a year, or once every other year, and you got to immediately go out and buy new Play-Doh like every time yes. because that Play-Doh yes. dries out. <laughs> <laughs> the one that comes with the game is not very good. So we normally would have to just go buy, like go spend a dollar mm-hmm. on a new Play-Doh thing every time we were going to play. Yep. Uh, or just cheap, have though. a brand new one. Yeah. I mean, as long as you leave it sealed, it lasts for years. So I'd probably buy a couple and then just drop them in the box and leave them mm-hmm. sealed until the next time we played. But yeah, yeah man, the Disney edition of Cranium very is cool. possibly my favorite game ever. And, you know, I want to ask this to all of our listeners because... We've been kind of workshopping some stuff to put on the YouTube channel, and we've been thinking a lot about producing additional content, whether it's in podcast form or whether it's uh, videos for YouTube. How many of you would be interested in watching us play board games on the YouTube channel? I know that there's a lot of channels where you get a chance to watch people just play the games, and some of those are super fun. But, I mean, if we played, like, the Disney versions of games or if we played, you know, different... uh, I don't know, uh, video games or something. Is that something that you guys would like to see? If it is, drop us a comment in the blog post for the episode, podcasters.com slash 215. Send us a DM, shoot us a message on Instagram or on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You know, we're developing a bunch of new stuff, but we want that stuff to be something you guys want to listen to and want to see. So if you guys have any feedback on that, drop us a note. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say about that. Uh, I think it would be fun. I, I was going to say, yeah, say yes <laughs> so I could play video games. <laughs> yeah. and, and honestly, even if people don't think it's a good idea, I, I think it is. But even if people don't like it, I still want to get together and play some of these yeah. games. Because totally. just getting together and, and just having some fun is just good. We'll grab some pizza, grab some no, beer, tacos. hang out. Tacos. We do tacos. Okay. I mean, we, like one night tacos, one night pizza or <laughs> taco pizza. Taco I mean, pizza. Look, there you go. <laughs> you could wrap like steak and other stuff in a pizza and have taco pizza. Uh, Sometimes you just got to get creative. It's like that uh, old SNL skit where they it's the spoof on Taco Bell and how they just keep wrapping more things around it and they end up with a, a, a Chicago deep dish style pizza wrapped around this giant taco at the end and uh, Andy Samberg says pizza now that's a taco <laughs> that's the way it should it's be so amazing he knows what's up man he Totes. knows what's up also we were talking about possibly doing another movie meetup and yeah. there's not a lot of stuff coming up there's a couple of really big releases there's you know there's ralph breaks the internet in november and then there's i mean well we have winnie the pooh but that's too close to the release of this episode 
We have the Nutcracker. It's Christopher Robin Hazen. Christopher Robin. Yeah, Christopher Robin. Sorry. I, it's like you and Galaxy's Edge. I know. Star Wars land. So I had to get that in while I could. <laughs> I don't blame you, buddy. Good job. Um, uh, so, yeah. So Christopher Robin is getting released very shortly after the release of this episode. So that's too soon to plan. Uh, Nutcracker. I mean, eh. Uh, but then we have Ralph Breaks the Internet, and then we have what's coming up in December? Mary Poppins. Mary yeah, Poppins. Mary is Poppins Returns. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're thinking about doing a movie meetup for Ralph Breaks the Internet the weekend after Thanksgiving. So we're thinking November 25th. Yep. Probably about the middle of the day, like we've done it before. Obviously, the location will be TBA because RIP AMC in downtown Disney. That's right. Yeah, we'll have to find a a new hangout spot. But that's good because now we'll be able to start searching for other places in the area that have the more comfortable chairs, Mm -hmm. beer. You know what I mean? Like, we can really start making these meetups super comfy. Sweet. So... Uh, if you guys are interested, again, leave us a comment. We're thinking about November 25th. I believe that that's a Sunday. Uh, so it'll be the Sunday right after Thanksgiving. If you guys are you know, interested in joining us, let us know so we can start planning that out and put together all the information. And then we'll start looking for a good place to go have the meetup at. Yeah. So since we're on the topic of movies, you know, we had a pretty interesting conversation at our last production meeting about Disney movies that just never came to be. And uh, we were all kind of surprised to find out that each one of us kind of knew about some films that never were made and some that, you know, we knew were in production and stuff like that. And I mean, sometimes you, you have those films that are rushed to market and you think to yourself, why would you do this to me? You just wasted my money, my time and my eyes are burned forever. (laughs) And then there's just times where you see concept art and you think to yourself, why didn't you do this? This would have been amazing. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we are. I mean, there's a lot of really uh, what I think would have been really big movies that uh, that Disney never released. And so we wanted to talk about some of those today. There was one in particular that came up that Gavin's going to talk about in a little bit because it's a subject that's near and dear to him. Uh, you know what? Let's just jump into it right now. There you go. <laughs> I think, I don't know if we've ever set the stage before for this, Gavin, but have we ever mentioned how big of a Beatles fan you are? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's ever been directly addressed on Podcateers, but uh, for those of you who don't know me well enough, uh, I have one, I have two other great passions that rival my passion for uh, Disney and the Disney universe. One of them is NBA basketball and that's going to bore most of you. Sports. So I'll, I'll move along quickly. <laughs> the other one is the music of the Beatles. Uh, you know, in a greater way, all of the music of the sixties is a huge passion of mine, but specifically the Beatles. I'm a huge Beatle maniac, uh, second generation Beatle maniac. The, the love of the Beatles was handed down to me, uh, by my father who, uh, let me play all his records as I grew up. And I have loved the Beatles my entire life. Since I discovered music, I've been in love with the Beatles. And they're a huge inspiration for me. John Lennon in particular is probably one of my top three artists in any medium of all time. And so I 
I mean, there's almost not a day that goes by that I don't listen to at least some Beatles music. That all being said, I was absolutely heartbroken to find out that at one point in time, not that long ago, a Beatles Disney animated movie was in the works. And I would have been so excited for this. It's like two of my favorite things that exist in the world would have combined into one glorious thing. And it, I don't know if it would have worked, but I would have been so excited to find out. So in 2009, Disney had started their partnership in animation with the studio that Robert Zemeckis started called Image Movers. And many of you may know Image Movers from films like um, The Polar Express, Monster House, uh, Christmas Carol, and then the very last movie they did under the Disney label was Mars Needs Moms. Now, those last two movies were big financial flops, and that last movie, Mars Needs Moms, is, I think, highly underrated. I love that movie. I think we need more science fiction in animation, and that's a great science fiction movie. But the Image Movers company, they were f one of their main foci was on uh, image capture, performance capture technology. So they were going to work with a Beatles tribute band and a bunch of British actors. Uh, they had Carrie Elwes and Peter Serafinowicz lined up and a couple other guys. And they were going to, you know, motion capture them performing, uh, mimicking the Beatles. And then it was going to be a computer animated film. And the idea was they're going to remake the animated film Yellow Submarine from 1968. And... They got far enough that they have models of the characters built. They have some test animation. You can see it online. They have some uh, image capture film of Carrie Elwes, who is going to be uh, playing George Harrison. And so they got, they got so close for this being uh, an actual reality. They even announced it at the very first D23 Expo in 2009. And... In 2010, the very next spring, they decided, Disney decided to close down the Image Movers studio and that their last production would be 2011's Mars Needs Moms, and, then, and they ended up scrapping it. So it was really basically because Christmas Carol and uh, Mars Needs Moms didn't do well enough in the box office that this got canceled. Now, Robert Zemeckis tried to take it to other studios and, and get it made, but after a couple of years, he just kind of lost the passion for it. But I tell you what, this is one of those things that I almost wish I didn't know was almost a thing because I want to see this thing so badly. And just looking at their designs of the Beatles as cartoon characters, as like 3D CG characters, they look so amazing and all of the other characters in the movie that they designed uh, for those of you who haven't seen the movie Yellow Submarine uh, I recommend it but I recommend it with caveats like don't go in thinking you're going to see a wonderful work of animation uh, it's very 60s it's very um, Hanna-Barbera level animation and it's really just all about the 
incredible music of the Beatles and the trippy soundtrack. So it would have been cool to kind of bring a lot of that imagery into a contemporary setting and, uh, you know, give that great music the film that it deserved. But yeah, I could talk about this for hours. I've been obsessing <laughs> about it since we talked about it a, a couple nights ago and I discovered it. I can't stop thinking about it and how I would love if Zemeckis decided one day that the inspiration hit him again and wants to try and do it actually because man I would see it many many times <laughs> yeah I mean we live in a world now where that's quite possible I mean you don't mm -hmm. need a major studio to put something like this together right I mean if you if he takes it out and you know does a kickstarter or yeah. you know go fund me campaign or something it's very possible that there are enough people that want to see this that he could raise enough money to put it together. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I think what it came down to, there's a quote and an article that I read about this where he basically just says, you know, at some point I just lost the passion for it. Like, I, you know, he, he, he talked about the particular challenge that exists in doing a remake. And especially when you're trying to use such an iconic and popular vehicle like the Beatles, it's that it, it just comes with a whole separate world of pressures, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, imagine the pressures that the Pixar animators had in creating Incredibles 2, where you've got a decade and a half of anticipation and demand for it, and you've got this bar set by so many other movies, and the original is in many people's favorite Pixar movie. Like, it's... It's the favorite of as many people as any other Pixar movie, I think. And so I imagine that pressure was huge. So you take something like this where you're taking, you know, a worldwide uh, iconic entity like the Beatles and you're trying to make remake one of their 1960s films and modernize it. Man, I can't imagine that level of pressure, but... I wish they would have hung in there. I wish Disney would have given Image Movers another chance because I really liked what that studio was doing. They were putting out animation that was totally different looking than any other studio before or since. And I was really excited to see what they were going to do. You know, they actually had um, a Roger Rabbit 2 in the works. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. And they had a couple other films, uh, one called Calling All Robots. And then they were actually developing the Nutcracker, which we know Disney's working on uh, a live action version of that, which is going to be out here in a few months. So, uh, you know, I, I think they left a lot on the table. And the sad thing is, you know, we talked about Disney Toon Studios closing down recently when they closed Image Movers uh, back in 2011. They had to lay off 450 oh people. So it was a huge hit to the animation industry. And I don't know where those people were absorbed. Uh, I'm sure many of them were taken on by other studios. But still, that's a huge creative force that just, you know, all of a sudden ended. And it's really sad when things like that happen. Again, I wish we could have seen more from them. But I encourage people to go and watch some of their animated movies if they haven't seen them before. They do really interesting work. The Roger Rabbit sequel, I want to say it would have been interesting, but I feel like it wouldn't have been very good. 
Yeah. Like the entire idea behind Roger going on a trip to find his mom. And <laughs> I just, I didn't like the story to begin with. So I'm almost yeah. glad that that didn't happen. I kind of am too. I think the only way you can revisit Roger Rabbit is if you were to do a prequel and you see um, Valiant and his partner. Was it his brother? It's the yeah. Valiant brothers. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you see them younger when they're getting started and earning their rep as detectives and leading up to his brother's murder, I think that would be an that interesting be story. Cool. And, you know, I think that's the only way you can do it. You know, I have a I'm going to tangent here for a second. You know, I, we've talked a lot about people tiring of sequels. And I think I've kind of zeroed in on one of the problems I have with all these animation sequels that we're dealing with in the last 10 years. And it's that the movies aren't written with sequels in mind. So then they have to go back and, and usually invent things just to make mm-hmm. a sequel kind of make sense. That's why I loved Monsters University, because if you do a prequel, then you don't have to do that. You can tell the backstory and give new information that just makes the original better, you know? And you can't really do that with a sequel if you don't already have it planned, you know, like Star Wars episodes four, five, and six work so well together because they were all, uh, you know, conceived together. You know, it, it, it was intended to be a trilogy from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Whereas Toy Story, I mean, it's kind of all over the map. And who knows if it's even going to be on the same map once it gets to Toy Story 4. So that's what I would like to see them do. If they're going to do, if they're going to go back to properties, consider doing prequels and backstories more than they do because i think that's the way you can do it and have just as good of a story i think incredibles 2 is an an exception to that but i think monsters university is probably their best secondary story they've ever told the studios see that too so you're talking about disney toon studios a moment ago did you know that one of the productions that they had in mind was to create a film called the seven dwarves which was supposed to be a prequel to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? I didn't. That would be so cool. What? Kind of. So the entire backstory that was originally planned for this was they wanted to tell the story of how the dwarves met, but in that version of the story, they were also going to tell the story of how the evil queen kind of overtook the crown from the king or Snow White's father and killed him. And so, um, you know, we were talking... Uh, actually, we weren't talking about this. I heard you guys talk about this on Squared Co. when you were talking about the first uh, on-screen murder. Oh, that yeah. would have probably been it. Yeah. You know. And yeah. That was something that was planned for some time, and that story just wasn't panning out. And ultimately, they said, okay, well, if we can't do that one, let's change it. And let's say that now the story is about how the dwarves met and how Dopey witnessed the death of his mother and lost his voice. And they were like, no, that's an even worse idea. (laughs) And so ultimately the entire story was scrapped. And at the time when John Lasseter had taken over the studio, he just kind of scrapped a bunch of stuff that Mm -hmm. was in the works. And that was one of the projects. And then years later, we ended up getting the 7D animated series, which I really enjoyed watching on Disney XD. And I thought that was going to be more of an origin story because it is kind of a prequel. This All the 7D cartoons that were made all uh, precede them meeting Snow White. Oh. So I really felt that that was going to be their origin story. But it was 
a lot of just like zany adventures that were all kind of in the same world but Mm -hmm. it was a bit removed because the place where they live was the land of Jollywood and they had like the villains Grim and Hildy Gloom and they were trying to dethrone Queen Delightful and wait wait did is it a spoof of the Smurfs? What is this? This sounds really goofy. When the 7D came out, it had this promise of being this backstory of the Seven Dwarves, but it was a bunch of zany cartoons that did feel a lot like the Smurfs. Weird. Yeah, but it it was really fun to watch. Huh. I enjoyed it a lot. It should still be on the Disney XD app if you guys mm-hmm. want to check it out. Don't quote me on that one right now, but if you have a chance to see them, even clips on YouTube, I thought they were pretty funny. Huh. Uh, But yeah, The Seven Dwarves was one of those that was in production uh, and just never got made. Um, You know, you talked about Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, Princess Academy was also one that got scrapped that just never got made, which, I mean, in retrospect, uh, I think little girls who would see that film would have been super crazy to see all the princesses, Mm -hmm. all Disney and Pixar princesses in one film. Was it going to be animated or live action? It was going to be animated. Okay. So the entire idea behind that was all the princesses from Snow White to Rapunzel were going to be in a boarding school. And (laughs) in theory, that kind of makes sense because the ages of all of the princesses are around the age where, yes, they would be in school. And so that makes sense. Frighteningly young. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why it kind of made sense, right? But what didn't make sense is that not only were they crossing princesses into one series, they were going to have characters from Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Nightmare Before Christmas making appearances in Princess (laughs) Academy. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of this idea of just totally combining the whole Disney universe. Like, I think it's going to be funny (laughs) for a gag in Ralph Breaks the Internet, you know, because they're basically going to an Internet site where the merchandise Disney princess line is existing, but yeah, like, I don't know. Like I, I, it's going to be a big stretch to actually have a quality story around any of that. Mm -hmm. Like I don't ever, I've never watched, um, what's the show on, um, ABC, uh, the once upon a time, once upon a time. I've never watched it, but it's the (laughs) same kind of thing. Like I, I just can't imagine really getting involved knowing that they're just kind of, throwing all of these characters into this one universe together. I don't know. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I've, I'm probably on the, the minority there. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Once Upon a Time was actually a pretty good show the first couple of seasons. Uh, the story hit a brick wall at the end of the first season when they kind of did what they had to do. It was kind of like Heroes. You remember Heroes? Yeah. How it was kind of like save the cheerleader, save the world, and they get to the end of season one, they save the cheerleader, they save the world, and now what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they kind of forced this season two with this storyline that for the most part worked. And Once Upon a Time has made every season kind of work for themselves because they have the ability to bring in these other characters and try to mesh storylines for me, it's not as much that, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Frozen, but by the time Elsa came on board once upon a time, I felt the show had already jumped the shark. Mm. Yep. And so I just kind of disconnected and I haven't really watched ever since. 
but I really feel that those first two seasons were the best of the show, the first one especially, because there wasn't a huge cast of characters. They were able to intertwine the stories in a very, very interesting way, and in a way that made sense in this land of Storybrooke. Mm -hmm. So if anything, I would say maybe watch the first season, but yeah. after that, you're kind of wasting your time. Uh, at least in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, so there was tons of other films that were never made. I mean, Disney almost took their own crack at The Wizard of Oz. You know, they were going to do Rainbow Road to Oz. It was going to feature characters from the Mickey Mouse Club. What? Darlene Gillespie, Annette Funicello, Bobby Burgess. Wow. They were all going to be a part of this. It wasn't necessarily a remake. It was just kind of a continuation. Well, that The Wizard of Oz is a whole series of books. So it was probably right. just another, like Mary Poppins Returns. Mary Poppins is a series of books as well. Yeah. Right. I don't think Rainbow Road was a book, though. I think this was just a story that they were trying to put together. And oh, really? Yeah, but they had enough done that during, uh, I, I want to say that, remember the old Disneyland episodes that they would do, the mm -hmm. Wonderful World of Disney episodes yeah. that Walt would put on? Mm -hmm. So on the fourth anniversary episode of Disneyland, they ended up showing a preview for this upcoming film. Oh, wow. But they could never really hammer down a script. And there was all these comparisons to the original version because by the time that they showed that preview, CBS had already been airing The Wizard of Oz for several years consistently. And so at that point, the Disney company was like, you know what? Screw this. Let's do Babes in Toyland instead. Ugh. And then we got that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely want to see the this preview. I've never heard of it or anything, so... Wow. Well, then you fast forward 40 years and they gave us Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah. Yay. We had, um, <laughs> what was the, the one with the wheelers? Return to Oz. Was that Return to Oz? I think so. Was that Disney? I mean, it, it was produced by Walt Disney Pictures, distributed by Buena Vista Distribution. I'm learning so much right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're going down the rabbit hole now. Oh my gosh, yes. Wait, was it one of their like made-for-TV movies like that would play on Sunday night or something? Or was it in no, theaters? No, that was a theatrical release. Okay. 1985. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I remember it, and I saw it as a kid. And was it the thing of nightmares? Yes. A little bit. A little bit. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If you don't want your five-year-old to sleep for a month, show him Return to Oz. <laughs> They're I like, mean, no. Wizard of Oz has some creepy stuff in it. Not as creepy as the Wheelers. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was one that just uh, kind of never came to be. Uh, where the Wild Things Are. Yeah. Oh, that that was awesome. one that I was super surprised mm. about. Uh, I mean, back in the 90s, Disney owned the rights to where the wild things are mm -hmm. and they st and like you know how you felt about the Beatles one yeah this one kind of burns me a little bit because you know we've talked a lot about how Pixar tends to create a, a new technology and then they work on it they get it as best that they can for that film and then in the next film they implement that technology but it's like five to ten times better than the last time that they used it yep and obviously the water that we've seen in every one of their films is a perfect example of that mm -hmm. right all of the mm -hmm. elements is something that pixar just nails every single time the concept of CG, obviously, was something that was kind of on the rise at the time. And the idea for Where the Wild Things Are was that 
the entire background, the entire scene, every scene that the characters were going to be in was going to be CG, but all of the characters were going to be 2D. Hmm. So it was going to be 2D on 3D, essentially. But at the time, it was just way too expensive to integrate the two. So they just decided, you know what, let's scrap this. You know, we'll, we'll kind of use it maybe in the future, but it's just too expensive. And believe it or not, there are animation tests that John Lasseter put together Ooh. for two scenes of this film. So, wait, was Pixar developing it or was Disney developing Disney it? Disney was doing it. Really? Yeah, Disney was doing it. So there are two tests that exist, and I don't know um, what special features they were a part of. I'm hmm. trying to remember... But I'm almost positive that there's at least two scenes of, um, man, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the scenes were. But I know that there's a couple of pre-render scenes where they just wow. realize, yeah, this is way too expensive. We can't do this. Man, that stinks. Did you ever see that live action version that came out like 10 years ago? No. Wait, what? You didn't? Yeah, there was a, a theatrical version. I don't remember what studio made it, but it was basically... You know, they were in, like, all the monsters were in costumes, and then it was a little boy, and it was basically a live-action version. It was done in a really, like, dramatic, introspective, it, like, it wasn't a kid's film. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because I saw the Spike Jones version. I loved it. I mean, I think he did a really wonderful job, but I didn't know that, like, a theatrical version yeah. existed of mm-hmm. it. Hmm. I'm going to have to look that up. Now I'm curious about it. So, yeah, I mean, we've seen this, you know, way too many times. Um, there was a film called Shade Maker, you know, that never saw mm. the light of day. Uh, Shade Maker was uh, a film that was going to be directed by uh, Henry Selleck. Ooh. Uh, that name should be familiar to both of you oh, because yes. he directed yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. NBC, and Coraline. baby. Yeah. So uh, Henry Selleck was going to direct this film and... I want to say that they spent two years animating this thing, and there was about 150 people working on it. Not many people knew what it was about or what it was, but people kept saying that it was kind of the next stop-motion film like in his repertoire, that that's the next thing he was working on. I guess they couldn't really get the story together because after two years, Disney had spent about $50 million dollars and they just said, you know what? Stop wasting your time. We're just not going to do this anymore. Wow. And now that film never got made. But apparently Henry Selleck still has the film. So Ooh. if he wanted to, he could still kind of shop it around and release it. Yeah. Or he could go fund me or Kickstarter it and release it on his own. Take my totally. money. Totally. I want to see it happen. Uh-huh. I'm on board. <laughs> so hashtag finish the film. That's yes. amazing. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's interesting to know how many properties they get the rights to or how many ideas they start and then never you know, finish. And then it's interesting to see how long some of them stick around because they had started development on the Ice Queen, which is the original fairy tale. Or the, is it the Ice Queen or the Snow Queen? I think, I think it's, it's Snow, Queen. Snow Queen. Queen. Yeah, the yeah. Snow Queen. Mm-hmm. Back in the 40s, I mean, it was a story that Walt wanted to tell. And they had, like, every decade or so, they would come back to it, and they never could figure out the right way to do it. And it wasn't until Frozen, as we know it, which is a total 
departure from the original story and the original idea. Um, but yeah, it stuck around for something like 70 years, bouncing around Disney for that long. And, uh, you know, we almost didn't have that either. Yeah. So it's going to take about, what, 50 more years until we see Gigantic happen? <laughs> yeah, that man, one's sad. That yeah. one I was really excited for. And the concept art, I mean, mm-hmm. it was cute. Man. Yeah, I was really excited about that one. Yeah, that one kind of ended abruptly. Mm-hmm. I they There hasn't been a lot of information about why it just got canceled the way that it did. Yeah. Which kind of brings me to the last one that I wanted to talk about, which is Newt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Newt holds a very, very special place in hist- in animation history and especially Pixar history. Wow. Because it's the only Pixar film that was ever in development that was canceled. Yeah, you're right. Really? Yeah. Huh. So the entire premise of Newt was that it was supposed to be this romantic comedy and it revolved around the last remaining male Newt and the last remaining female Newt. And they go out on this adventure, but they can't stand each other. Like they just (laughs) hate each other the whole time. But they don't realize that they're like falling in love, right? Like falling in love is like the way that they pitched it was like falling in love is not an exact science or something. (laughs) And I think originally the film was supposed to be released in 2011. But when 2011 rolled around and there was no film, the excuse that they gave was that all the animators were taken off the project to work on other projects that were in development at the time. Hmm. And really what it was was that they just didn't have a good story. Mm-hmm. And you know how Pixar is, right? If they don't like a story, they scrap it, they start over, it goes into development. And all Pixar films go through at least four different versions before they land on the official one. Sure. And this was no exception. The problem was that right around that time, uh, there was a film by Blue Sky Studios called Rio. And Rio Mm. had a very similar story to what they were trying to do with Newt, except it had birds. Yeah. And to top it all off, it was right about the same time that Rango came out. Rango is awesome. I and love that Rango movie. had a very similar, like, find-yourself type moment and stuff, too. Yeah. And so when Gary Wrightstrom couldn't really deliver this film, the studio kind of took him off the project, and they brought in none other than Pete Docter. And so Pete Docter said, okay, well, let's take a look at this whole new project. And then he looked at it, and he said, nope, we're not doing any of this. I got a better idea. And then he pitched Inside Out. Ah, and so now the rest is history. Interesting. So if you've ever wanted to hear a story about uh, taking your ultimate opportunity to get something done, I kind of feel like Inside Out was the ultimate opportunist story <laughs> because you just took this film that was in development for about five years, didn't work, and said, "I got a better idea." Boom! Yeah. You got Inside Out now. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. So, yeah, there are tons of films, man. I know we just kind of scratched the surface here. There's like, did you know there was a Dumbo 2 in development? Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on the 60th anniversary DVD, there's a preview for a Dumbo 2. Yeah. The the one that makes me um, also sad uh, on the live action side is Tron 3. That that's oh, the Tron Ascension. I still me. want Ascension to be a thing. <laughs> I signed a petition, the Me too. The Tron Lives petition and man. All six of you? Uh, 
Shut hey. up, Hazen. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love Tron, dude. I, I'm still saying, you know, bring a little bit of Tron into Tomorrowland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bring it in there. Yeah. I love Tron so much that I confused uh, a speeder with a light cycle. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay? So don't you dare, sir. <laughs> oh, that's great so anyway um yeah you know i think we'll probably continue this topic in an upcoming episode because there's been a lot of films that the disney company has canceled over the years and i think a lot of them are films that we would have wanted to see mm-hmm. you know like we just named a handful of them now i know like you and and yellow submarine I mean, it would have just been that extra connection with the Disney company that they already had from back in the 60s when they made the Beatles animated series. Right. You know, but I think what the Beatles animated series, I think, was more on that Hanna-Barbera type style animation that you had talked about. And Mm -hmm. this would have been just another level. Right. Yeah, it was. It looked amazing. The the CG models looked so freaking cool. Ah, so much heartbreak <laughs> uh we're gonna have to end this episode and get some tacos for gavin all right <laughs> we'll make it feel better buddy <laughs> all right well um on that note if if there's any films that you know about that just kind of broke your heart when you knew that disney was no longer going to develop them or they got canceled uh, whether they're animated or live action because it happens to live action ones all of the time as well Leave it in the comment section. We'd love to know what you want to see. And who knows? Maybe we'll start a petition. Yes, for Tron. Maybe we'll get that going. (laughs) I'll resign it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, leave us a comment. Podcuteers.com slash 215. You can leave a comment in the blog post. Or you can just join the conversation over on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. Just search for Podcuteers. We're on all of those networks as well. Uh, before we close up the episode, I just want to give you guys a quick reminder that the Chalk Walk is coming up super quickly. We are just weeks away. And to everyone that has taken the time to donate to our fundraising efforts for Chalk, you guys are amazing. Thank you very much. As of this episode, we've raised just over $600. And yes, I know that our goal is 5000 But ultimately, we're raising money to help the children of Chalk. And whether we raise a dollar, whether we raise a thousand, whether we raise five thousand, it doesn't matter. It's money that they didn't have before that's going to help somebody that needs it. Exactly. And that's why we're doing this. We're doing this because we can and we like to help. And this is our way of giving back to the community. So if you guys uh, have a few dollars that you can spare, head on over to TeamBoatWilly.com. There you will find a link where you can join Team Boat Willie and walk with us the day of the Chalk Walk if you so desire. And if you can't be here or you're halfway across the world and just want to give us a donation to help out our fundraising efforts, you'll see links to all of our fundraising pages. So if you want to donate directly to me, to Gavin, to Melissa, or to Disney for two, you can click on any one of those and it will take you to each person's fundraising page. Uh, Again, to everyone that's already donated, thank you guys. It means the world to us that you guys are joining us on our quest to make this world a better place. Yes, thank you. Well said. Uh, We already mentioned Amazon earlier. I think Gavin put it so eloquently (laughs) that the next time he buys a car, he's buying it directly through Amazon. You know it. I don't know what kind of car you're buying. That's going to be a a three-inch Jackson Storm. You know what? Whatever works, buddy. (laughs) 
I love Jackson. He's mm-hmm. my boy. He's I'm my boy. I'm surprised you didn't say uh, light cycle. <laughs> oh, I would love yeah, a light cycle. Yeah, I don't think they're oh, making Oh, buy me a light cycle, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> but a real one. And I just want to jump in the air and have it form around me. Yes. <laughs> that day will come. One day. One day. <laughs> Uh, so, you know what? We're not even going to talk about Amazon again, except I will remind you that if you want to use that button, podcasters.com slash Amazon is where you need to go. Another great way to help out the podcast is by becoming part of the FGP squad. What is the FGP squad? Well, those are our podcast fairy godparents, but they call themselves the FGP squad. Uh, the FGP Squad is a group of amazing people that help us out monthly via a contribution on Patreon. And if you would like to do the same, you can get a little bit more information by going to podcasters.com slash FGP. You'll find a list of our current fairy godparents, a little bit of information about what they do. Plus, if you sign up for a contribution of at least $5, you'll get the exclusive fairy godparent button as a thank you for your support. Again, more information can be found at podcasters.com slash FGP. And to all of the members of the FGP squad, we heart you a lot. We you guys you. rule. Much heart. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. All right, guys. It is taco time. Are you on board? Heck yeah. Yes. I might get a burrito. <laughs> I think I might go for a burrito this time. Hey, man. Oh, taco. Yeah, but burritos. I mean, you get a California burrito with the fries and stuff inside. (laughs) I don't think Gavin's. I don't know what this is. (laughs) Oh, Gavin! Oh, you're in for a treat, buddy. That's a burrito. Oh, you're in for a treat, buddy. (laughs) All right, we need to introduce Gavin to this burrito. So, until next week, here is two beers, cheers, and Mickey ears. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye. (laughs) Peace and love. We all live in a yellow Uh submarine, a yellow submarine, a yellow submarine.